Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're gonna get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I'm here with Amanda Cohen. And Amanda Cohen knows you can't succeed in life or business without taking risks. That's why she's devoted her life to better understanding the threats modern businesses face. As the Director of Governance, Risk, and Compliance Products at Resolver, the worldwide leader in risk and security management software. She's she's reimagining the way over, uh, I can't read this. She's reimagining the way over 5,000 of the world's largest organizations think about the relationship to risk. That was a hard sentence for me to read. She's, re, she's reimagining. So what do you mean by that? Let's just go with like my mistakes because life is, is filled with mistakes and we don't edit things. So um, tell, tell me a little about more. So you're at Resolver. Tell, tell us a little bit about the company and what you do there and how you help people manage their risk. And today we're going to talk about the risks you should take and the risks you maybe shouldn't take and figuring out, figuring out your threshold so you can grow your business. Yeah. So, um, I think in terms of reimagining risk, people often, um, think about a risk management program as like a stoplight, uh, PowerPoint slide that comes up in some kind of like executive meeting. And they're going to say our reputational risk is moderate and, you know, our risk of inflation is high and okay. Like, that's great. You've got this, this nice little graph that you're showing and what's the data behind it. And how are you actually making risk-based decisions? Because putting up a graph, and taking your five minutes while you're presenting is, you know, part of the equation, but there's so much more about what could disrupt your business. And so. Well, I was just going to say that, like, I don't know if that I've experienced that because I'm not like, I didn't come from the corporate world. I've never been in a corporate meeting. I don't, I hardly can spell corporate, um, <laughs> hardly can say it for sure. Um, so like when I was a financial advisor, the, the only way I thought about risk really was because I was taught about insurance and, you know, to manage that risk is to protect my family and then to sell to other people to protect their family, protect their income, protect those sort of things. And, and then of course, we're looking at risk management in regards to, well, if I'm going to invest my money or somebody else's money, like how much risk am I taking being in these stocks or in these type of investments and that sort of thing. And now as a business owner who has taken a lot of risk to grow the business, like the risks I took were more like, 
should I invest in this coach or this program when I'm not making money and I have no idea if I'll really make it back? Like, is it me? Is it that I need, is it the right coach? And you know, all those things where I'm taking a huge risk with my own money because I'm growing my own business to try to get my income up because when I struggled, you know, that was the issue. So um, I'm not sure maybe the listeners are thinking more the way, way you're talking about it, but like, that's really foreign to me. Um, and so, so like from a business, cause you said business owners and, and you really help them kind of manage the risk, but also sounds like you're almost a proponent of taking risk to some degree. So tell me more about that. Like how, like, how do they reimagine that? How do they reimagine like how, how that looks and, and decide what risks to take, especially going into this crazy environment where potentially they've lost a lot of assets already with the market the way it is. And the expectation might be, well, my income is already like, maybe it's going to go down another 20% because the market might, you know, and that affects my, my income. So I, I think when you think about risk, the, the, the best way to think about it is what are you trying to achieve? So every individual, every organization, they have some form of objectives, whether you've written them down, they're the goals that you wrote, you know, January 1st, but there's objectives and there's things that you're trying to do as an individual or as a business. And so you've got a level or a threshold of what's an acceptable level of risk for you to take, or the business has a level of acceptable risk that they're willing to take. But you, in order to make those decisions, you can't just kind of finger in the sky. Like, I, I think that's right. Like, I, I think that's my, you know, where I stand from a risk perspective without thinking about what could influence that. And so when you're thinking, oh, those are the risks to me, those are the risks to my business. It's like, are those the right types of risks that we are willing to take in order to grow our business? And are we willing to, you know, forego something for something else in order to make sure that we can succeed? And so an example that we often see in business is, you know, companies really want to make sure that they, you know, invest in their employees and they invest in training and that they're growing their teams and, you know, they're really putting their employees first. That's great. That is one of your objectives potentially of your business. But at the same time, you know, revenue, probably a little bit higher on that list of priorities. And, you know, some of the major projects, you know, escalations, customers, all of those things are a bit of a balance, but you might be getting to the end of the year and it's like, ooh, we really told the whole organization we were investing in our employees this year, but that thing fell to the bottom of the list because other priorities took precedent. And so if you bring risk into the conversation about what you're trying to achieve, you're saying, you know, we're fine taking this risk over here, but at the expense of something else. And so as long as you're having that dialogue, it's okay to have one thing take priority over another, but recognize that that could mean more attrition for your employees, or it could mean, you know, people are seeking jobs elsewhere because they're not getting the attention and the growth they need. And so it's a risk you have to be willing to take and then have those conversations um, in terms of how you want to drive your business forward. So are there key areas where you evaluate, like to have the conversation? So if you're going to help me, there's a part of me that's like, I, I want you to help me evaluate the risk for myself, like as a business owner, so we can give them an, an example, but also because I'm not a financial advisor anymore. It's like, maybe we can take me back to when I was. So um, you tell me which, which is more fun. Um, let's do the financial advisor scenario. Okay. I think. <laughs> sure. I'm back to being a financial advisor. Okay. Is it the broke times when I was a financial advisor, when I was at least making six figures? <laughs> let's go with the broke times. Let's okay. Let's start with the broke times. Yeah. Okay. We got them all. We got them all here. We got the broke times. We got the six figures. We got the seven figures. Okay. Let's start with that. Go ahead. 
Walk me so, through it. Like, what would you ask me? How would you help me about Cause it seems like you have a process or there's like things to look at it. And I always like to just experience it to figure out like, how do I, how do I figure this out? How do I make decisions? Cause the example I used when, when I was, you know, like I said earlier, when I was broke, it's like, I had, I was on a podcast with Rachel Cruz and I had her on this podcast and I'm like, really no debt. Really? Like, I'm like trying to challenge that, which is, was a really dumb thing to do when like, you know, Rachel Cruz and Dave Ramsey, like their whole thing is like, like they will not veer from their opinion of no debt, you know? Um, and I was like, just making sure, because I really feel like had I not gone into debt, I would never be where I am today. Had I not taken that risk where I invested, you know, money I didn't have, like I'm quoting it air quotes because it wasn't, it was money. I didn't have, it was the credit card money, but I had access to it. And had I not taken that risk, like, I, I really feel like my life would never be where it is. And, and so I'm really grateful that I was able to borrow money. And, and some people have this view of like, Oh, bar- putting money on credit cards is bad, but taking off, of, taking a business loan is okay. Right. So it's like, well, just because can we call it a business loan if it was on my credit card, but you know, just because I didn't take it from the bank, like, isn't it the same thing? So these are the things that were going on in I don't know if they were going on in my head. It was more the fear around investing in myself. When I knew I had an income problem, I'm like, the only way to solve this is to invest in something that's going to give me more income, which was actually investing in me to learn skills, to be able to attract clients and be able to convert clients in, in or prospects into clients. Does that make sense? It does. And I think, I mean, so let's break that down a little bit. So you, you know, at this time, not a ton of money and you're looking to grow your business. You're looking to grow yourself, to grow kind of your whole market. And so there's a couple different avenues I assume you could have taken. So one was debt. What, what other options did you debate at that time? Well, I could have just waited till I made the money, right? So I could have not invested in myself. And I said, okay, let me just follow what my company tells me to do. And if I do enough work and enough busting my ass, then I'm like, wait, can I say that? Yes. It's my podcast. I can say that (laughs) if I want now. Um, so might piss people off, but so yeah, I could have just kept going and, and I might've still gone into debt, but it would have been slower. Right. Because I was, if I'm making less than the money I have, obviously, which was getting to that point, you know, where my expenses were exceeding, um, my income, then I would have slowly gone into debt, but instead I chose to invest, which was me going into faster debt, but then I was able to pay it back faster because I learned how to grow my business. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, other option was doing nothing or, or at least following the systems without, I mean, there's a ton of information, free information podcasts now where people can just be like, Oh, I'm just going to learn it and apply it. My problem is that if I didn't pay for it, I didn't do anything like or I did a little, but not enough, you know, and I didn't have enough accountability. Yeah. So we've got to maybe a third option in the middle, which is some like free resourcing that's kind of yeah, helping. Yeah. But you're basically, you're trying to achieve the same outcome. You believe that one approach is going to get you there faster. And so you're evaluating the risk essentially of saying, is this investment worth it? And at what point maybe is it not? So you can, there's there's business metrics you could apply, which are, we call it key risk indicators, but also just as a balance on yourself, it's like, okay, am I starting to get the returns based on the information that I'm learning? Is this, is this something I want to continue to invest in? Because am I seeing kind of the outputs that I want to? And so you're checking along the way to make sure that you're working towards the objective that you want. And, you know, all the way through by applying risk-based decision-making, if you needed to pivot at some other point when it was like, okay, maybe 
I've exceeded what I can here and I need to try a different approach or maybe I need to pivot coaches because I'm not getting what I want from the person that I'm working with. You're constantly evaluating things and then making sure that the risk is acceptable for you because you're not so far in debt that you know, you don't ever see a glimmer of light, but you're, you're making decisions. You're constantly evaluating what's right for you and is it the right type of decision? So risk-based decisioning is really just constantly questioning, constantly making sure that you're... Um, you're continuing to question and not just go after something without, you know, the, the insights into what could disrupt you and, and how you want to get there. It's like constantly asking yourself those questions and making sure that you're, you're seeing the traction that you want. And if not, do we pivot? Do we need to do something else to achieve what we want? Are you Canadian? I am. <laughs> okay. I noticed that when we didn't talk about that, but then <laughs> wait a second, I'm distracted because I hear you're from Canada. Okay, cool. So um, it sounds like it's a lot of measuring and it's, you know, I would call it KPIs. You're calling it key risk indicators. I'm calling it key performance indicators, but same, same idea, except your focus on the risk. Um, and what have you found um, with business owners? Like, do you, do you have stories of, you know, those who were very cautious and they didn't take a lot of risk and they still ended up doing very well? Or do you find that there's a theme where like the business owner, the most successful business owners have a story where they took a lot of risk and that risk paid off? Or maybe you have the opposite where they took a lot of risk and that risk, you know, knocked them down and they went out of business. And what do you, what is it that you see? Are you mostly working with corporate though? Like, as I guess it's very different. You're mostly working with corporate. Okay. Yeah, we're mostly working with corporate, but I think the same types of strategies or questions, conversations are still relevant. Like one of our customers last week was talking to me about how, um, you know, risk management isn't like the most glorious, I think, part of a corporation and generally not, you know, someone like getting a ton of attention. However, you know, when you apply that type of decision making to big strategic initiatives, you can see the output of that. So one of our customers was looking at two different markets and they um, one was in South America and I think one was in the Middle East, something along those lines, and they were debating which ones to go into. But the political climate, the uh, socioeconomic conditions in one region versus the other were substantially different. And so as a result of taking risk-based practices, coming in, understanding what they were trying to achieve, understanding what they were looking to, what their end desired outcome would be, it was that one, originally they were going to invest in both. And it's like, actually, one doesn't make sense. But the biggest risk you could take for the business is not investing in this other one because it is ripe for disruption. There are, you know, you're seeing traction, the regulatory environment's changing in that region, and there's a ton of opportunity, but, you know, they brought in risk-based professionals to help not just strategically, we think this is a goal, we think we could achieve it, but to really test the parameters of the project they were attempting to take on. And then it led them to making a very strategic decision, which, you know, ultimately had a pretty financially viable outcome for them, which was really great. Yeah, it seems to me, I mean, that's at least my my experience is what you said that, that I think is just so true. And that's just been a theme in my life is, is that the biggest risk they, the biggest risk they could take is not taking action. Essentially. Like the biggest risk mm -hmm. they can take is not doing anything. The biggest risk they can take is not working with that demographic or with that, that audience or however you said it, but it's uh, like, that's what I've found is like, it's very easy as a financial advisor, when you're constantly being, given, you know, marketing opportunities and even your, your, your company is telling you, this is how we do sales. This is how we do marketing. And like, it's all there. And like, this is what the company tells you. All you have to do is follow this system. And if you follow this system, it's, you're going to get results and you stay in this industry long enough following the system, you will get the results that you want. 
And the problem that I had as a young financial advisor, when I first started was like, I did what they told me to do. I got results like, okay, call your friends and family, meet with them. Like that's a risk in itself, right? Like call friends and family. Like that was a risk. And that was a big risk because I ended up actually tarnishing a relationship with my cousin because it was awkward. It was weird. It was like in my first few weeks as a financial advisor. So sometimes though, we're not thinking about that risk. We're just scared, but it's probably scary because there's some risk there, but there's a risk in going after friends and family. And there's a risk in not, right? Cause you can't build your business off of nothing. But what was frustrating for me was that I, I did those things. And because I was 29 years old, like the referrals that I got after following their system also didn't have very much money. And so like, I got lots of clients, but not lots of revenue because they didn't have lots of assets. And so something for me had to change because I'm like, I did exactly what they told me to do, you know, and that was the path. And then I'm like, well, I was scared, but I'm like, the only way I can get to the other side is find another way. It can't just be this way, which is very risky for a lot of people who are like, no, like the company's gospel. And I'm not saying all all companies are bad. It's just that I think it's very old and archaic and this model of, of like, you know, doing this old way. So I'm just, what I found is like the biggest risk that I could take is not taking action, like not finding another way, like not getting a coach or getting, you know, and I'm obviously a proponent of coaches because I, I am one, but, but that's at least with like my circles of, we, you know, seven, eight figure business owners, like everyone has a story of going into debt in order to get out of debt. Basically, everyone has a story of taking huge risks. Everyone has a story of losing money. You know, it's like, cause those are the risks that you take in order to go big, go big or go home. Right. So is that, you know, is that what you're finding? Well, I, I mean, I think it's actually even more practical to our business as a whole. Like we, um, we have a technology platform and it's pretty agnostic. We could sell to anybody that's, you know, if enterprise, they have to be like a bit of a bigger company. Um, but our technology is really flexible. It can do a lot, which is actually like a huge benefit and almost a downfall because if you can do anything you and be anything to anybody, like, who are you focused on? Who are you target? Who's your target market? Who are you actually going after? Who are the ideal customers that make the most sense for you to work with? And so we went through this really long phase where we were trying to grow revenue and within this, the division that I work within, but we were selling to anybody who called us and we weren't really like engaging with the right people. And so our CEO challenged us to, to go in and, and go through this, this exercise of, you know, strategically who makes the most sense and then start saying no to customers who don't fit the profile of who is our ideal buyer. And we've seen our win rates go up substantially, which has been incredible. And we've seen the revenue come in and we're now exceeding the other division that we, you know, compete against, but secretly, I would say that we kind friendly of competition. friendly competition and we're growing at this like really great rate. And I think that you know, having that focus, if we had continued to operate the way that we were, we were not going to see the growth, but narrowing our focus and really deciding who we want to go after and let's get rid of the generic marketing campaigns. Like it should be targeted at those people because those are our ideal buyers and they don't buy one thing, they buy six things. Mm -hmm. And that's a much more valuable strategy for us. And so the risk to your point of not doing something was not going to get us to the revenue targets we needed in order to be successful. That's your, your, your kind of, drinking my Kool-Aid without even, well, maybe you do know it. Cause you said you, you've written some of my book. Um, but no, that, but that's what I talk about a lot is that especially in the industry, I mean, of course, everyone wants to work with high net worth clients, but that's like a humongous target. That's not a real target. Cause it's like, 
you know, we, we all know the targets that they're big circles. And then the middle, there's the actual target. Like, yeah, maybe if you say high net worth, it's like a humongous circle. And then, but you're nowhere near the target because it's actually, it's too broad. Um, and so I talk all about this all the time is like, you got to get really clear on who you want to, who you want to attract. And even to the point where it's like one person, and then we clone that person again and again. And I think the risk again, is like the perceived risk Actually, I should talk about that first. The perceived risk is if if I start saying no to people, I'm going to lose money, right? If I if I start saying no to people, then who want to give me money in this case to to manage, let's say, or to do products or whatever, then I'm going to leave a ton of like a ton of money on the table. And it's the exact opposite because once you start targeting, you become seen as the expert. And as the expert, now you're going to attract more people. And like you said, instead of doing one thing, they do six. So now you're getting more business from one person or one family versus getting little bits of business from everybody. I I had this um, woman at my Positioning Yourself for Profits event, uh, and she was talking about how she wanted to make an additional like $15,000 a month. She was making $15,000. She wanted to double it. And so we went through and I said, well, who, who who are your highest paying clients that you also love and and you provide tremendous transformational value. And she's like, well, they're the ones that end up doing a rollover. And so it's describing who they are and all that. And I'm like, cool, like easy. I'll just, all we need is just two more of those. Like that's, that's not that hard. Right. And then she started telling me as we were going through this exercise that she's, she's getting all this other business, but the average she's getting for each of those was like $200. And I said, how long, how much time do you spend with those who you make 7,500 ish, you know, versus the ones who make 200. And she's like, well, three, three hours, like for everyone, no matter what. And I was like, stop it. I was like, stop, stop it. Actually no, stop. Yeah. yeah, Stop. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone you're, you're spending, you know, like do 15 minutes. If you talk to them for 15 minutes, make sure they have a solution where, you know, they're going to get taken care of, but that solution does not have to be you for two hours and 45 minutes more. And then you have like, you're freeing up all this time to go get two more clients at that level. So I think people forget about the risk of time. Like how much time are you spending on the wrong things? Like that's a huge risk that you're taking because you could be spending time somewhere else. And this idea of, well, if I pigeonhole myself, like, you know, and and say specifically who, who I'm going to target, then I'm going to leave all this money on the table is the exact opposite because you work with everyone. You work with no one because they can't see you. Like you're totally invisible. Well, and I think that's what we were doing. You end up, especially in the product world where you're building a product, you end up building things for one customer that's not repeatable. And so now you've spent all this time, all this energy, and we we have to pay developers. We have to, and so then what? It just sits there on the shelf. Like that's not valuable for us. We have a business that's a recurring revenue model. Like we need to be able to produce similar types of customers because, and also for us, the value and for our customers is they get way more value for us because we're specialized in that particular area. And so we know how to run a compliance program for mid-sized financial institutions. We're really good at that because that's what we do over and over again. And so what's interesting about our space is that very few people get visibility into a bunch of businesses. You get consultants because they see a lot of the same types of businesses. You get regulators because they regulate the same types of businesses and you get vendors. And from a vendor perspective, we can say, well, that's, you know, this is the best practice because we've seen it a hundred times. We've seen it 200 times and everybody's doing it like this. And this is how you can grow. And so the value that we can provide back to our customers is so much more substantial than, you know, somewhere over here in mining and somewhere over here in different industries when it's not, it's not producing the same type of value for our customers. 
I'm, I'm curious. Um, I, I don't know if this is public information, but like how big was your company at that stage where you were trying to work with everybody? And then how much did you grow by getting more targeted? Do you know? Don't know off the top of my head. We, I don't know off the top of my head, but we have seen, I mean, our targets, like we're expected to grow at this stage right now, like 50% a year is wow. the types of metrics we're working with. And I get that the, we're a smaller business. We're trying to grow at that rate and that's not going to be sustainable for every forever. But for right now, that's the expectation that we have because the market is huge. <laughs> and yeah. um, we've got something that's newer to market and we've got something that's interesting. And, um, you know, it's a rate that for today that we think that we can sustain. And I think that is recession proof, you know, like all this talk about recession. It's like, I think that's what's recession proof. Like you're talking about growing 50% a year and small business, which your business is, you know, that you work for is probably a lot bigger than anyone listening to this podcast. So they have the potential to, to double, to go hundred percent, to like triple, to quadruple. And that's what I've seen with a lot of the women I work with is it's that focus. And, and even, and it is recession proof because there's always a need. And you talked about kind of the, the better you understand, like who this customer is, the more you can provide value. Essentially, that was my take on it. And, and what I think you're really talking to them about is like, what are their understanding or I should say, like understanding their problems, understanding what they want. And then you provide the solution to get them there. And that's why you're getting, you know, this re, the, the repeat customer again and again. And like the way most financial advisors think about it is that repeat customer is like, one, they bring more business, but two, they, they give you referrals. And everyone like knows that, you know, financial advisory business is all about referrals. And most people, especially if you've been in the business a long time, they're like, oh yeah, yeah I base my business on referrals. Great. Awesome. Love it. Except it's not necessarily intentional or reliable or predictable. So like, there's got to be more, like the more you focus on who the person you want to attract, the more you focus on like messaging, which I talk a lot about, which problems, results, and understanding what they need and, and communicating that the more likely you'll, you'll get that repetition that, you know, repeat business again and again. So it's interesting though, from like the risk perspective, because this conversation went in a different way than I would have thought, you know, which is always how it goes, I guess, because I never know where we're going with it, but which I like, because I think that's really relatable for the women listening is like, I didn't, wouldn't think that this is a like conversation about target marketing is a risk conversation, but I love that angle because I feel like it's very easy to say, I'm just going to do it this old way. But like, you have to see that there's, there's two sides of every coin. Like there's a risk to do it the old way. There's a risk to risk to do it the new way. You know, um, there's a risk, what we call the woman's way, right? There's a risk to do it anyway. Maybe you have to take, you know, if you're working with me at, at a higher level, you have to take a risk, like with the coaching, coaching uh, expenses or whatever, but like totally worth evaluating. Like, is it worth it? Are you going to do the work? Do you see, can you see, like, if you got five clients, like, and at this level, like you make, like, you should, you should walk through that. And then you got to look at your numbers and evaluate that stuff. Um, versus I think so many people are like, I don't think I'm taking risks cause I'm just not doing anything, you know, well, that's, that's risky, especially in a recession, especially now, like with what's happening is like, that, that can be really risky. So, um, yeah, this is great. Any last I, comments or ways to find you? You said financial institutions. Is this something that their companies can use or how does that work? Yeah. So it's, a, it's generally we sell to financial institutions. Like we're a business to business platform. And, um, you know, that's generally the market that that's best suited for us um, and, and for our customers. So we ultimately help customers understand their regulatory obligations. So if you have 
you know, anyone in insurance, everyone's got regulation. And so we can help distill that down into something that's a little bit more meaningful. Like what product services do you actually offer and what do you have to do? What do you have to be accountable to and make sure that you've got the process in place? So, you know, we've got a variety of different tools, but we generally do, not generally, we exclusively sell to other businesses. <laughs> See, we're like, we're very targeted. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What's the website? Uh, it's resolver.com. Resolver.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Amanda Cohen, for joining us. And we'll see you all next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. I actually have the link for the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. So instead, you can just go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register right now so that you can get five quality appointments in just five days. Now, this is not around you know you having to talk to friends and family and get all awkward. This is not about you having to spend marketing dollars online or create a whole funnel. This is going to be easy. It's simple. It happens in five days. If I can get you five quality appointments in five days, then you know that you can have the best year of your life because you just need to get in front of more of the right people. We will walk through it together as we do it. So do not miss this. And if you can, if you're smart, do VIP, spend a few extra bucks and you can actually spend time with me on Zoom where I can connect with you, get to know you and really help you get those quality appointments so that you can grow your business. And um, go ahead again, register at femalefinancialadvisors.com. You'll find it all there. It's happening, coming up very, very soon. So make sure to register, claim your spot, get in on this, get excited about it, block your calendar because you need to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh, a day with me on the Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get these results and it does work. The most appointments I think we got in those five days, uh, someone, I think it was Dana, got 33 appointments. So you could be my best student and go well beyond the five quality appointments. Go to 10, go to 15, go to 20 and set yourself up for the best year ever. Can't wait to see you at the tag challenge. See you there. Thank you again for listening to Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.